Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. What's up, everybody? Okay, have you guys recovered from last week's uber intense soapbox of all my thoughts about Sunday morning church? All right, I am so glad, and I'm sorry if I just triggered you guys with my ranting. <laughs> um, listen, before we get started in today's topic, I want to give you guys a resource that has been truly blessing me, and I'm talking about like top level blessing. Um, that was super weird way to say that, but anyways. I came across this preacher recently who is just, I'm loving, I'm loving all of his content and bought his book and I'm loving his book and I wanted to share that with you guys, my friends, and his name is Jim Baker and it's a really unfortunate name considering if you know anything about the Jim Baker of TBN and the 80s, but it's not that Jim Baker. Um, But he does ironically have a bunch of messages and revelation on finances and on what prosperity actually is in the Bible. And wow, I am just really, really loving it. So Right now I'm reading his book, How Heaven Invades Your Your Finances, How Heaven Invades Your Finances by Jim Baker. And really what this is, is a gospel approach to why God uh, gives money, why he uses money, what he thinks about money, um, everything from should you be tithing to what you give. I mean, oh my gosh, it is a deep dive into the world of prosperity. And I'll just tell you, for those of you guys that might have some um, adverse reactions to this, his definition of prosperity is something along the lines of, I don't have it memorized, but something along the lines of that God would provide for you more than what you need to accomplish your specific calling in life and also to be able to help others do the same. So it's not necessarily that everybody is supposed to be a millionaire or anything like that, but it's that you have provision for your vision that God has given you. And I know that a lot of us um, are on this journey, especially like if you're in my age peer group, you know, on this journey of trying to figure out what it looks like to have a healthy approach to finances as we become older. And I just can't recommend this enough. You can also go to wealthwithgod.com and he has a bunch of resources online there as well. You can also go to bakersequip.com, I believe is what it's called, where they have a bunch of their resources. So anyways, Jim Baker, How Heaven Invades Your Finances. Go check it out. It's so good. All right. That being said, today I wanted to talk to you about something that has been burning on my heart and mind that God has been convicting me personally of quite a bit lately. And I just want to let you guys in on the fun, right? Because how fun is it to be convicted by the Holy Spirit? Um, Actually, it is fun because it brings about some great stuff. So I want to talk about what it looks like to walk in the flesh versus what it looks like to walk in the spirit. Now, I preached a message to my church recently that talked a little bit about this, and then we put some bonus content online. So if you're a Bethel OKC person, you may already know a little bit about what I'm going to say. But I have just been marveling at the verse in Galatians 5, 17 that says that the flesh and the spirit are continually at war with each other. And the truth of the matter is, I think I was under the impression that at some point 
I would have my flesh crucified so much that it wouldn't be a factor anymore. And I do believe that when we are born again, our flesh is crucified. What does that mean? Like we become a new creation and then the old is gone. But that is from heaven's perspective. God does not look at us now as a limited person. He looks at us as a limitless person because now we are united with Jesus and we get to be viewed by God through the lens of Jesus's redemption. So that's a, you know, a little bit of a background. So I, I believe that I, I find so much scripture to back that up. And I think somehow in my mind, I was thinking that the farther I go in God, the less my flesh will be, and then it will just be dead and it will be irrelevant. But what Galatians 5.17 says is that it's always at war with the spirit. I do believe as we mature down the journey with God, that our flesh becomes smaller in our minds and easier to be controlled and easier to be put back in its place. But that doesn't mean that it ever truly is gone from us to, um, to how we live our lives. So an example of this would be when we are born again, we are becoming a new creation, right? We became a new creation. And so I love, I used to say this all the time. I love this imagery that we're born again by the blood and the water. And that's how we're born in our physical birth through blood and water. Isn't that crazy? And so the water is baptism. The blood is the blood of Jesus. And we are now a new creation, but our, our, we're still our same physical body. And so our brains hold all the memories of what we were like when we were not a new creation. They hold all of our old patterns, all of our old woundings, all of our, you know, triggers of what we can be tempted on and all that kind of stuff. And so what Galatians is telling us is that our flesh, or if we're looking at it the way that heaven looks at it, the residual memory brain effect of our old self is at war with who we are now. Why is this important? Well, the Bible goes on to say just a few verses later, this is why we can't always do what we want to do. I don't know about you, but I've definitely had times in my life where God was, you know, challenging me to step into a greater level of my identity. And it's like, it's like a war. Everything inside of me doesn't want that. Let me give you a very practical example. So let's take marriage. Okay. Um, you know, every marriage falls into ugly patterns from time to time. I remember one counselor saying to me that marriage is, it's not possible for one human being or two human beings to stay in 100% vulnerability towards each other, emotionally, physically, whatever. It's not possible. So we have this sort of constant pattern of moving away and then moving towards each other. And what she said to me was the best thing we can do is not go into a downward spiral when we move away as spouses, but learn the patterns of what's happening and then move into a pattern of moving towards each other. So, you know, we all have things that we do in our marriages that like connect us. So, um, like dates and, you know, hobbies and stuff you guys like to do together. So when you feel yourself disconnecting, instead of going with that and going down a disconnecting road, we use that as the springboard to then start reconnecting. So in my marriage, that looks like spending more quality time together, maybe not turning on the TV and and talking out different things, not necessarily conflict, but just catching up on the mundane of life. Sometimes that looks like going shopping together or, you know, whatever. We take action when we're moving away to actually reconnect. So yes, all marriages have ugly patterns. So for me, I fell into a pattern, um, I don't know, semi-recently where I was like unloading my frustration 
in a an aggressive manner. That's how Grant would word it, in an aggressive manner. To me, I guess my Enneagram 8-ness, my, my wing 8 was kind of coming out, and it doesn't ever really feel aggressive to me, but I hear him, and I know he's saying that it's too intense. And so I was taking that to the Lord and I thought, you know, God, I do feel like the Lord was breathing on me that I needed to tone it down and that I was sort of letting my anger speak freely without tempering it by my spirit. So I got convicted. That's what that means. And the Lord began to take me to this verse in Galatians and I was looking at it and I was looking at the fruit of the flesh or in other words, what it looks like when we're walking in the flesh, which is there in that passage of Galatians 5. And I was looking at things like envy and anger, like rage. And I was really convicted that I was too close to that line for my own comfort. So I repented and I began to say, Lord, I want to wage war on my flesh. I want to continually choose to step into the spirit. I don't want to be the kind of person who just lets my flesh run wild because the flesh is dead, right? We're not supposed to be in the flesh. We're supposed to walk in the spirit. And so I started taking a good, hard look at the fruits of the spirit. Now, if you've ever volunteered in kids ministry, I think the fruits of the spirit gets like a very overly simplistic rap. We have that little jingle about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, all that. And we don't stop and actually think about how profound each and every one of those things actually is. So I started meditating on this scripture and I started looking at If I'm walking on in the spirit, then love is coming out of me. Unconditional love. Is that happening? If I'm walking in the spirit, then gentleness is coming out of me. Is that happening? I love and don't like the way the Amplified says in that passage that patience, and it says it's not that you can wait. It's not the ability to wait. It's how you act while you're waiting. Ouch. And I remember meditating on that and thinking, how am I doing? What am I acting like while I'm waiting for God to fulfill his promises, for breakthrough to come, whatever I'm waiting for? I took a good hard look at my own heart and discovered that I needed a lot more of God in this season of my life. I needed a lot more of the presence of the Holy Spirit to continue to let my spirit lead me and not be led by my flesh. I think in today's day and age, we are so selfishly driven and so motivated to do what feels good to us in the moment that we don't spend time thinking about whether what feels good to us is actually something God blesses or not. I'm going to tell you another personal example that goes in the same vein, the same category, and it's this. One of the most chronic issues of my life has been doubt. It has been doubt of things God has said, promises he has given, and is he actually going to do that thing? And then coupled with the doubt is the fruit of impatience, right? The coming from the flesh to not be patient because while I'm waiting, I'm acting like God did not say what he's going to say, what he said. And going back to Jim Baker, who I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I was listening to a sermon of his and he made this statement that just gripped my heart. And he said, you know, when the word of the Lord comes to us, when he gives us a promise, it's our job to plant that seed in the garden of our heart. But if we do what the enemy has been doing all along from the beginning of the garden Eden, when he causes us to doubt what God said, right? When the enemy comes to Eve and he says, but has God really said that? So Jim Baker says, if we do that, what we're doing is we're pulling up the seed of this promise to look at it and see if it actually is a seed. But every time we take it out of the soil, we forbid that seed to bear fruit. 
Every time we dig up the promise and doubt it, to look at it, to, to you know, speculate and say, is this God? Is this really what I think it is? We're, we're unearthing it and we're not allowing it to bear the fruit that it was supposed to bear. Talk about just another level of conviction. I don't know if you're like me, you're like in a season of major holy conviction and I'm with you. I'm actually loving it. I sense the presence of God so much on this and the the grace of God, which is empowering me to rise up into a better version of myself. And I really, really love that, even though it's not fun to see where we're missing the mark. So doubt has been this pervasive chronic challenge that I've had all of my life and and coming into a greater revelation in this season of looking at it like the the enemy's number one trick that it's not unique to me this is what he's been doing for all of us since the beginning of time is causing us to look at the things God has promised and to doubt it but then the Lord brought me into this understanding and this wrecked me and God began to show me and he said Rachel I cannot really talk to your doubt because your doubt is in your flesh. And to me, your flesh is dead. I buried it. It doesn't exist anymore. Oh, merciful heavens. I was like, is that true, God? That would explain why for years I have asked the Lord to deal with my doubt, to take it away, to help me process it, to help me sort through it. You know, help me, help me, help me, God. All the while the Lord is going, I will help you when you figure out that your doubt actually belongs in the coffin with your old self, not in your brain constantly being something you consider. Doubt is a byproduct of the flesh. It's the same with envy or jealousy, actually in Galatians 5, and there's another scripture that um, I think it's in Ephesians 4 that talks about jealousy being the fruit of the flesh as well. That jealousy and envy are not things that are the byproduct of someone who is walking in the spirit of God. This would also bleed into comparison because comparison is the byproduct of envy and jealousy, right? So every time that I'm looking at someone else and I'm saying, wow, Lord, you're doing it for them. Why aren't you doing it for me? Which then opens the door for doubt in my heart. All of a sudden, I'm already so far in the flesh. I've put myself in the coffin with God, with my old self. And God's going, I don't want you to do that, but I've already dealt with your flesh. Now you need to deal with your flesh. Now you need your spirit to rise up and say, that is not the direction we are going in this life. So I guess my question in today's episode is, are you walking in the spirit or are you walking in the flesh? Or do you have one leg in both? The spirit and the flesh are constantly at war with each other. What I realized and what I'm saying to you today is that when I am doubting, that is proof of my flesh waging war on the promises of God in my life. When I am doubting and moving into jealousy and envy, it's my flesh saying, hey, I don't like to be led by the spirit. I don't want to be led by the spirit. I don't want to do that kind of stuff. And therefore I'm going to rebel and I'm going to remind you of all of these terrible things. I don't want that in my life. I don't think you want that in your life. So it's not that that war is going to go away forever, but that when we recognize it's the war, then we get to have victory over that. Listen, friend, there ain't no battle God has put you in that you can't overcome. That is the hillbilly gospel right there. Every single situation you are facing, God has given you the ability to have victory and to overcome and actually to wrestle out a blessing of revelation when you're done. So here I am all these years harboring this secret festering doubt. It wasn't really a secret to those that are close to me, but harboring this doubt over some of the promises God has spoken, 
without realizing that every time I bear witness to that and put my agreement into that doubt, what I'm doing is unearthing the seed of the promise, forbidding it to bear fruit in my life and giving my flesh the upper hand in the continual war against my spirit. Oh my, I don't know about you, but let's not be like that. Let's be people who wait well. We wait patiently with a happy heart. We find it easy to step into the spirit when we've realized that we have been walking in the flesh. The Holy Spirit never leaves us. He never leaves us. So it's not that we are, you know, that he's being sent away because he's disappointed that we're doubting. It's that whatever struggle you're having coming from your flesh is actually pulling you away from your awareness of him. And while we're not aware of him, we don't think to call on him to help us. So that's really my encouragement for you today. Are you walking in the flesh? Are you walking in the spirit? I hope you're walking in the spirit. I was listening to um, a friend of mine preach a message on pornography recently, and we were talking about afterwards, we're talking a little bit about it. And um, one of the things that he said about pornography is that the there's been studies, research done, that the dopamine that's released in your brain, the feel-good chemical that's released in your brain, when you view pornography, is actually stronger than the amount that's released when you do heroin. I find that fascinatingly wild. And really why I bring that up now is because in Galatians 5, later on, between verses 17 and 24, sexual immorality is listed as a fruit of the flesh. So when we are wanting to gravitate our sexual needs through something outside of the way God has designed it to be, then we're stepping into the flesh and we're actually training our brain to gravitate to that more. Negative emotions, there's this great FBI study that was done in the 70s. It actually became the basis for the hostage negotiation program that was developed in the FBI. And this study, they began to do research on what happens when we have negative emotions in our mind. And they discovered that negative emotions, things like anger, fear, stuff like that, they actually present themselves in our brains three to four times stronger than our positive emotions. I think maybe that's why we get a little bit addicted to negativity. We get a little bit addicted to anger, to things of the flesh, because they feel that much more potent when we feel them. But the other part that this study um, began to discover, which I think is unbelievably fascinating, was that the simple act of getting someone to say their negative emotion out loud had the power to disband that intensity 100% of the time. So this is what they do in the hostage negotiation. They try to get the the perpetrator to admit what they're really afraid of, to admit that they are angry, to admit that they are scared or whatever. And in doing that, they know they are helping release the, the intensity of that emotion in that person's mind so that their rational mind can come into play a little bit more. I think this is part of why God tells us so clearly what is of the flesh so that we don't stay in that place with an unhealthy brain patterns so that we can step into the more rational place, the more, you know, blessed place of, of revelation and overcoming because it's in the place of the spirit that we know to call on God, that we get the breakthrough, that he comes through and we actually get furthered into our, uh, more of who we are, more of our identity, more of who God's called us to be all of that, more of the abundant life. 
We just have to be the one. We are the doorway. We're like the hinge on the door. We get to decide whether we're going to let the flesh go through the door or whether we're going to really walk in the spirit. So um, I hope this is helpful for you. I'm praying for you that you are someone who's really walking in the spirit and is finding and feeling the grace of God moving through your life as you pursue that. Listen, if you're listening to this and you feel convicted that you've been in the flesh too much, it's a very simple thing. Just stop, repent, and choose to walk in the spirit. What does it look like to repent? God, I'm sorry. I see now that I was walking in the flesh. I see now that I was doing things that were not really the right thing to do. And, and I've been separating myself from you because of that. So today I'm making the choice to step back into the spirit. I'm making the choice to let you come and let the grace of God flow in my life to help me let go of these flesh patterns and operate in, um, in who I really am in you, which is a person who bears the fruit of the spirit. Amen. It's as simple as a prayer as that, or however the Lord leads you to pray. So that's all I've got for you guys today. And until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.